Welcome to Season 3 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of the mad scientist and myself as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. All right, good people. I want to thank everybody for once again joining us on another week of the M-W Tactical Podcast. This week's show is sponsored by Amic Guns. I don't know a tagline for Amic Guns, but if you need gun repairs in the Columbia, South Carolina area, hit up Amic Guns. And from what I've heard and what I've seen and what I have felt, they do good quality work. So please go hit them up, aim at guns, do a Google search for aim at guns and tell them you heard about them from the M-W Tactical Podcast. Um, for people who are listening abroad, Canada, China, England, Kuwait, everywhere outside of the United States, thank you again for listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. And moving forward, now you know I'm going to say this, what's taking place 30 April through 2 May? the South Carolina sectional that is taking place in Belton, South Carolina. So if you haven't signed up, please go sign up right now so the mad scientist will stop hiding around corners and tackling me. I need to walk to my car in peace. I need him to stop acting like this is a football game. We shoot. We don't play football. What's you got to be ready. Always got to be ready. Once again, I want to go ahead and give a shout out to Todd Holmes for having two birthdays in the past two weeks. So, um, the match, one of the future match directors for the Belton Gun Club. So, Todd, happy birthday and happy birthday. <laughs> well, we have a GoFundMe campaign going forward. The first one is we're making a professional movie. So, please head on over to GoFundMe.com forward slash we are making a professional movie and donate what you can give so we can go ahead and get that project kicked off, which should be kicking off around about the March timeframe. The other project we have is the free firearms training. So head on over to gofundme.com forward slash free firearms training. And we had somebody today actually donate to that campaign. And we're going to give them a shout out on social media with the thank you that we always do when people donate to the GoFundMe. Yes. Thank you guys. Yes. So um, These please head, head on over people there. People need and- it. Give what you can give and help us out, whereas we're doing a nationwide push to give people educated in firearms training. So please help us out so we can help others out and we can actually show the politicians like education is the most important aspect of pushing forward when it comes to collecting up ourselves. All right, so without further ado, bringing in the lady of M-W Tactical. The one I say is mean, but everybody declares she is the nicest thing on the planet, but she is evil to me. When the camera is off, the evilness comes out. So without further ado, Coach B. What's going on for you, B? Hi, Michael. Hi, Dave. What's going on, Coach B? How, How was your week? Been good. Right. Yeah. So, what what made your week good? Let's put it like that. 
Work hasn't been busy. It's work been ha- easy. Work hasn't been busy. So um, yeah. let's talk about that bucket of um, peppermints that you're holding out on. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, see, you just told on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> see what I'm saying, everybody? She mean to me. You got peppermints today. Mm, only because I had to had to talk it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so um, to let everybody know what we're talking about, when I was a kid, my grandmother got me um, liking these soft peppermints. So it's the big peppermints, but they're soft. <laughs> yeah. My grandmother I had those too, man. Man, I, I called <laughs> that. Must have like been a, a grandma thing. Man, I was like, that's the old people candy. So if, <laughs> if you're addicted to it and you like them as much as I do, you must be officially you, old. You so, might be old. <laughs> yeah, so. Kind of old and crunchy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the little assistant, she walks around saying like, daddy, you're old and crunchy. So I was like, what? what do you know about old and crunchy? What is old and crunchy? <laughs> Give me a definition. <laughs> yeah. So um, outside of that, um, what else been going on for you? Not much. Yeah. Like I noticed that um, the input you put in on the matchbook. So that's going to be the new hotness, I think, to set the standard in the um, industry. So the matchbook was released this weekend. Yes, it was. Weekend. So um, I want to get Coach B's perspective on it, but let's talk about that after we um, bring in the mad scientists here. Okay. All right. So as y'all know, this is my buddy, the mechanic, the therapist, the scientist, so to say. He turns wrenches. He fixes equipment. He says gum butter gives you all A's, but... I don't know what's happening. Well, then again, this weekend I did get all A's, but I was mm-hmm. using the yep. gun cleaner. So what? Um, no, <laughs> you must have had some residue left over. Uh, but, but without further ado, my man, my buddy, the co-hostess with the mostest, Dave. What's going on, Dave? <laughs> what's going on, Mike? I got yeah, a new background. Hey, I, I noticed. YouTubers. <laughs> I noticed. So, and I noticed when I sit up like this, it um says gun butt. <laughs> so, um, i might need to adjust the uh the banner i have in the background there yeah, yeah you, you might just have to turn the angle on it because so. <laughs> <laughs> now you about to be the butt of all jokes <laughs> gun butt well rim shot there no this is one of the um banners that was going to be hanging up on the uh hold on hold on gun you, said rim shot. you said rim shot <laughs> yeah Right there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I got my banner in. Yeah. One of my gun butter banners. Gun butt banners. Yeah. So now when we was um talking about planning it out and doing like the Photoshop and everything, did it turn out how you thought it was or not? So while uh, I laid I got two of them, with one with a different image. Mm-hmm. And um they're close. <laughs> Okay. I like this one. I do like this one better. And I do have to agree with Coach B that the other one that's not pictured here um, was not as good of a photo for, for a banner. This one is much better. I do like this one a lot. It just I had a little section of the G that ended up getting cut off there right. um, on the side. It was it had some sizing trouble. And um, honestly, I got tired of messing with it. So I just let it go. You can see the majority of the letter. So it's okay. Yeah, like I said, it looks good from the point that I'm looking at. I like it. I, I think I like anyone this one. would notice. Like I'm, I'm sitting here looking at it, and 
I can't tell. Like, well, I said anything or noticed. It's no, it's not bad. It's only I noticed it because I worked on trying to size this thing for like right. three days and was messing around with it and had trouble with it. Yeah, like I said, no, looks, I like it. Yeah, it looks good mm-hmm. though. Yeah. So now is that the mesh one? Did you get two yeah. meshes or I, one I did both? Both of them are the the mesh. Oh, okay. Well, I'm curious to see what the the other one looked like. Also, it's. This one's better. I like this one better. Nice, nice. That's I kind of thought I would anyway, but I just, I don't know. I wanted something a little different. It was the image from the um, USPSA magazine, which I thought was kind of cool. I just right. want to do that. I'll make a couple more later. We'll get some some better photos and make a better banner. There you go right there. So Another gun butt, to, gun butt banner. <laughs> get people to see the gun butt banner and get <laughs> a picture in front of it. Just put your head in front of the, the tur, so it's just gun butt. Gun butt. <laughs> but um, how, how was your week outside of getting the new banner? Mm, busy, man. Been super busy um, at work. And I don't know what happened to my uh, snooze button on my alarm clock this morning. I just wanted to sleep for like another 10 minutes. So I hit the snooze button and I woke up an hour and a half later and oh. it was a bad start to the morning. <laughs> Missed my dry fire. Oh man, that's not a good day. Rushing right to get out of the house. That's not um, a good day. Well, don't feel bad. Um, Coach B actually called me this morning around about 7.30 and it took me about 15, 20 minutes to get out of bed. Um, I had to go get the wheels aligned, you know, on the, the truck. But um, yeah. but it was hard for me to get out of bed this morning. And then even when I got there, I was reading my book. Um, so I went through about three chapters when I was um there at the place getting my tires um aligned. Then when I got home, I was like, man, I want to go. I want to go back to sleep. I need to lay down, but I need to finish up some things. So, but overall, but like I said, then again, I was so wrapped up with everything. I only wrote you like one time today. <laughs> Because normally it's like three or four times, but it was only one I, time a day. I was stressed today, man. The people were just wouldn't leave me alone. I, oh, I was getting overwhelmed at work, man. Had a lot of stuff going on. I couldn't get anything done. Yeah, I, I had days like that. Yeah. But even when I was in the Army, um, some days like when I would get like that, I would turn all electronics off. Like I would unplug the phone in my office. <laughs> turn my cell phone off and like yo if you want me hey i'm not turning on the computer you gotta come find me how about locking my door I, <laughs> yeah. I, I understand how i go i understand how i go but um um the main talking points this week i, I think we're gonna take it on a political realm and it's just we're just gonna express our personal thoughts because i really don't like diving into anything political and I think that's a slippery slope, especially when firearms are involved. And yeah. you know how people can take your words and turn them around and everything to that aspect. But I just want to get both of y'all's personal thoughts on what's going on in the political realm. And then um, after, well, during the third portion of the show, the interview portion, we actually got someone from overseas who is from Central Europe, and we're going to talk about what's taking place, well, what has taken place over in Europe in regards to not having 2A, but how do they deal with the firearm situation that they have compared to what we have going on now? And 
to kind of give you a heads up, I've always seen people responding online to say, hey, y'all need to fight for your rights. And that's people from Australia and over in Europe. So Yeah, I did. Do, yeah. So yeah, so many, so many people that 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 we talk to around the world, they have lost their rights. Um, you know, look up to us as as a country because we still have these rights. And man, I would hate to lose them. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. And um, I, when you lose them, that's when all the BS is going to kick up to a different level. It'd be very interesting to uh, to talk to this person and get the, the perspective. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so we're gonna hit that up at the um, the interview portion of the show, and um, like let's go ahead and dive into a quick commercial break, and come on back and let's talk this politic thoughts or political thoughts or political perspective, whichever way you want to name it, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's go ahead and dive into this commercial break and um, have everybody turn up the volume on your listening device. If you're in your vehicles, tighten up those seat belts, turn on the AC or heats, depending on the conditions of where you are. And here are a few words from our sponsors. Mental health and guns. At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical. This is Coach B from M-W Tactical. And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is we are making a professional movie and it's going to be about our day-to-day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting gofundme.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit gofundme.com forward slash free firearms training. Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe. Good people, 
thank you for sitting through that commercial break. And we're over here making butt jokes <laughs> about the gun butt <laughs> that was just taking place. But um, as I stated before the commercial break, I, I do want to go ahead and dive into this mini political talk. And I don't want to go into a tangent and make it an argument, but I don't think it's going to be an argument between us. But you know, like how that can go down that road when you're talking to a group of people very but, easily um, oh yeah so but if anybody have any um grapes complaints groans moans uh, about what's taking place in the government please shoot us an email at info at m-wtactical.com or head on over to facebook youtube or instagram and put your thoughts in the chats and then we can start a discussion from there and then possibly give you a call bring you onto the show and let's have that same discussion, see how it works out. But um, last week I came across a couple talking points that the president is trying to put a couple things into place, avoiding the House and the Senate and just using executive orders. So what's your take on that there, Dave? Man, he's already just about used up all the executive orders that he that he can, I think, hasn't he? <laughs> like his first week of presidency. I don't know, man. It just it doesn't seem like in our country that is how you rule or run a country. Maybe it is how you rule. Maybe if you're, you know, a dictator, ruler kind of uh, person, maybe that's what you would do. But we have, you know, we not not here. <laughs> That's you have people. You take you get people's input on it. You have votes. You you know you do what the people wants. Executive order doesn't allow any of that to happen. Well, you know, um, money. You know, money is one of the things. That's the root of evil, and I believe that's what took place with the whole thing, starting with the NRA. Somebody saw, heard, or found out, oh, you got paid more than me? Okay, I'm going back to the source. Hey, you need to pay me some more. No, that's what we agreed on. That's what you signed, whatever, however that takes place. Oh, well, if you don't give me more, I'm going to do this. Well, I got this contract or this is what we agreed on, so you need to do what you need to do. Money. Yeah, so I, I think that's what actually ended up taking place. I could be wrong. I don't know. I hadn't talked to nobody about that or anything. I'm just speculating off of stuff that I read, but um, what's your um, yeah. ideas, thoughts, or anything that's taken place that you've heard or read, you know, what is stated from the president? Honestly, I haven't really seen a whole lot. Um, I haven't been paying attention to the news. Um I know there was something in the Supreme, something about the Supreme Court, and I know Dave had mentioned that. Um, I'm not real, I can't remember what it was, but um, that was supposed to be happening soon or talking about. Well, a few things that I read was, as I stated at the beginning of the second segment, that, you know, he's attempting to use more executive, more of his executive power to avoid you know, Congress and the Senate, you know. Um, another thing that I read was that 
they're trying to implement something that police can come to your house without a warrant and confiscate your AR-15s? Just the, the red red flag laws? Is that what they're calling it? I'm not certain. Um, when I seen it, um, I started um, reading up on it, but it was like I didn't even get into the first paragraph and then um, my phone rang. And, you know, my attention span is like my daughter. I, I get distracted real easily when something moves, <laughs> you know. But um, it it was like disturbing when I seen that. You know, yeah, it's very disturbing. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. So you, so you have to have a warrant to go into somebody's home. Yeah, but um, this portion right here that I'm reading it says that the U.S. Supreme Court on Wednesday will hear all arguments in Canagala versus Strom, a case that could have sweeping consequences for policing due process and mental health with the Biden administration and attorney general from nine states urging the high court to uphold warrantless gun confiscation. Mm. That's scary. It's missing some details there, but that it, that broad view of it is scary. Yeah. Warrantless gun confiscation. You would have to be a brave police officer to 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 do some of that stuff, man. I don't. I wouldn't want to be in that position. Well, you got to remember too. A couple years ago, that same talk was. This was around about the time frame Bill Clinton was in office. I think it was. Yeah. And that that same talk was being brought up, and then it was a lot of police officers saying that they're not willing to do that. No, they don't get paid <laughs> enough to do that. That's no dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> That's dangerous. And um, it's very dangerous. There was a couple books that I read, and a lot of countries that wanted to evade America, they were saying that's one of the reasons why they didn't want to, you know, come bring the war to America, is because of the fact that, you know, the uh, citizens have so many firearms. Right. So now you're fighting firearms than than any other country. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was like, "Uh, that's some valid points. But like I said, at the same time, how do you juggle that? And but the thing is, once again, are you overstepping the boundary? I I, kind of get the the, maybe the idea of wanting to do something. you know, it's it's always been, um, I don't know, mental health issues are always get blamed for for a lot of the gun violence and stuff. And then the gun violence gets, you know, gets blamed on gun owners and, and just gun ownership in general. And then, um, you know, I don't know. I see the, the desire to do something with respect to mental health and, and gun ownership, but... I don't know that warrantless gun confiscation is the right approach for that. I think there is definitely, I don't know what the better approach is, but there is certainly a better approach and that that's going to just lead to more violence and um, nobody wants that. What's, what's your thoughts? I, I agree with you guys. Um, that's not how it's supposed to be here. I mean, um... I know, right? <laughs> it's just not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. So let me ask you this. 
so let's say the but well, let's go back to um when did sandy hook happen is it 08 i don't know i don't remember now okay so let's let's take it back to sandy hook. and let's just happen to say um well let's not let's not even say sandy hook let's say every school shooting that's taken place 2012 i guess okay. So every school shooting that's taken place, that person got caught who did the shooting. And I'm gonna start with you, Coach P. Do you believe we would be in the position we in today with the talk of firearms if everybody that was involved in a school shooting got prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law? Mm, probably not. Okay. What do you think, Dave? Um, I think there's so much politics in, involved with stuff like that that people yeah, yeah. don't I mean, don't don't yeah. get prosecuted like they should. Yeah, let's take let's take the politics out of it, but they now, they don't get prosecuted like they should, and it so would it would definitely be yeah. a deterrent. Yeah. So the question is, all the people who did the school shooting. If they got prosecuted to the full extent of the law, do you think we will be having the conversation we're having today around firearms? Yeah, I don't think you would see as much of it at all. No, definitely not. Yeah. So what? I, I mean, that's what we have the laws for. <laughs> so what? What, is, what do you say? Why do you say your answer, Coach? I say no. We wouldn't have that discussion just because. If you just get a slap on the wrist, you're going to do it again, or the next person is going to do it because they feel like they can get away with it. But just like with any crime, whether it's a, a shooting, a rape, a whatever, if a person is prosecuted at the fullest extent and not just given a slap on the wrist, probation, whatever, and at that point, it's going to cut crime down. It will stop. It will help deter the shootings or the crime. Okay. What, what about you, Dave? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, and it's just like basic upbringing. Um, I mean, really, if, if you can look at it from that point, if you're a kid, and you do something that you're not supposed to do. And, and your mom says, oh, stop doing that. Don't do that. That's bad. Don't do that. Really no kind of repercussions there. Or if it's something that's really bad and you shouldn't be doing it, you know, you get you get a spanking or you get whooped or something. You're, you're probably going to think about it a little more seriously the next time, you know, you, you want to do that thing. Um, then, you know, whether, you know, a little slap on the wrist or a, smack on the bottom or, or you know something like that it's, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be different um mentally for you the way that that you would consider that that act okay so the reason why i brought it up that way was because you gotta remember during the cocaine era back in um the 80s right you was getting more time for crack versus cocaine 
the only difference between the two was baking soda. So mm. you got <laughs> what like ten more years more for Arm and Hammer of the mixture of water, baking soda, and cocaine versus straight cocaine. Right. So now let me ask you this question. The same question, but I'm just gonna reword the the wording just a little bit. All the school shootings that's taken place and all the shooters, if they would have been people of color, do you think we would have still had the same conversation we're having today around firearms? What do you think, Coach B? Well, that's the whole reason for the difference in time with the cocaine and the crack is because of the difference in race that was using or selling or whatever so it's pretty much the same thing mm, um nope nope you gotta back it up because if you understand the history it it was publicized that more people of color was using crack and cocaine but it was more um white people using using cocaine cocaine. and crack (laughs) it was just more publicized that people of color was using you know what i'm saying but yeah, that, I, oh, I, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And that just because it was well, publicized that way, the media pushed it that way, correct. then then became stricter yeah. uh, penalties for it. Yeah. So now it wasn't real. Now you, have to, <laughs> you have to look at how the media uses their influence to get their narrative across. Right. And then how many people, politicians have the inside scoop with the politicians? I mean, um, with the um, media sources. Now your agenda can get pushed a little bit further. You see what I'm saying? So one hand kind of washes the other. Now, think about this. And this still goes on today in the media. Whenever there's a crime and when they talk about something like and let's just say it's gun related right they put up the person um no no let's not even say that let's let's use the oj trial okay look at the images they put up of oj when everything was put up in regards to him in the media it was always his jail photos it was never his football photos it was always oh, yeah, but yeah, where he looked like crap he just yeah, looked, he looked like crap three <laughs> o'clock in the morning yeah. didn't have time to get ready for anything it was the most horrible picture and then they edited the picture to shadow it to make it worse <laughs> you know what i'm saying so think about everything that's going on and when they try to push the agenda you know going back to that original question now, what's your your thoughts on that? If it was people of color that did all the school shootings, will we still have this discussion today? No, because they would have been prosecuted to the fullest. Okay. okay. What's what's your thoughts, Dave? I, I don't know because I see. Um, I I probably I think I agree with you that if it were people of color, they would probably have been prosecuted more strictly than 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 what has happened. But I always see the media blaming white men, white males for mass shootings. Um, and in the most recent one in um, Colorado, they even blamed the Muslim guy um, that, that did that, um, that initially he was a white male 
and it was it fit their narrative of, mm -hmm. of white males um in mass shootings and i don't i i guess maybe um that the the muslims they have determined fall into the white male category somehow I, but it, you know i don't know that it really it, it doesn't matter to me but it matters to them apparently yeah so like um, technically when you turn around and you look at it everything has a myth associated with it you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. so um and i pointed this out a lot of times you know with coach b when we're out in public all right and I'll say something like, did you notice like how they was looking at me or why were they looking at me like this? You know, so I gave my opinion, but then I was like, well, look out what's around. Am I supposed to, you know, fit in this type of situation, right? But regardless of whatever situation I'm put in, when I start talking to people, as soon as I say, oh yeah, I did 22 years in the military. Oh, oh, oh you did? Oh, okay. Conversation changes. Instantly it changes. Right. But now you're but, not black anymore. It, it's, it's more like you're <laughs> in a different category. It's, oh, well, you think like this, it's called, you're upstanding. I don't know. You're still black, but yeah, yeah, still <laughs> black. <laughs> well, black and American Indian, but I'm still black. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't understand it. Yeah. So, um, but if I held that same conversation with people and I don't say anything about the military, and if I say certain things about my life, taking the military out of it, now you kind of get that, you know, one foot in the door, one foot out the door, right? Right. So it's going back to the whole point of the myths that was painted from way back yeah, when. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah. So now, which that brings up the next topic of, um, do you think proposed gun control is racist? I'll start with you this time, Dave. Um, I think it has been for a long time, like <laughs> since a lot of the gun control was started. I think the majority of the reasons behind it was were were racist intentions. Um, I know a lot of it was meant to to keep firearms out of the, the hands of the uh, lower income people, which, which, you know, at the time in the fifties and sixties were generally considered, you know, African, African-Americans at that time. And um, I, you know, I really haven't looked into a lot of what Biden is proposing now to, to know whether there are racist intents with that or not, but I wouldn't doubt it because he was probably one of the guys in the fifties and sixties that was proposing the same thing. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I've been trying to avoid a lot of the uh, propaganda, you know, that the news is spreading this year, but I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it one bit. Well, you can, you don't even got to go back to the 50s with Biden. You can go back to the <laughs> 90s. He was the one that actually put forth that crime bill that incarcerated a bunch of people, especially people of color, you know, with the revolving door into the prison systems. Which one was that? that the crime bill from the 90s. What was that? Um, was it 96? It was, um, they had the, gosh, what was it? There was some kind of a, like random search oh, yeah. bill yeah, or like, something that they could do. Well, each state, they can bring forth their own laws and like they can justify it. But the whole thing was just throwing people in prisons. You see what I'm saying? 
which caused the revolving door aspect. But that plan was targeted more for people who lived in the inner city who didn't really have much of anything. You know what I'm saying? So now you're already dealing with a group of people living in an area, whereas jobs are not relevant and education is not really relevant because of the fact if I'm going to school and if I'm living with um, one parent, you know, because of how Section 8 is designed and everything, whereas the father can't live in the house in order for the mom to receive the money, you know, um, now that's not enough money to live like a glamorous life. But then when you turn around and you look at it, I might have to drop out of school to help my mom pay the bills just so we can have food on the table and mm -hmm. hot, you know, hot and cold air and hot and cold water. You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's a chain effect that they're making the problem, but they're not, you know, doing a real solution for it. No, no. You know what I'm saying? But no solution um, at all. Yeah, but before I get my thoughts on that, do you think, um, Coach B, that um, gun control is racist? Yes. Okay, so why do you say that? Pretty much the same reason Dave had said. Um, the, I, I just believe it is. Yeah, it, it, it really is. So um, one thing about it is, let's take it back to the beginning, right, of this country. So when we were fighting, when America was fighting for its freedom, right, the main tool was the firearm. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? There was a company from over in England that supplied the colonists with firearms so that this, you know, embarkment of gaining your freedom outside of the ruling of a king and queen can be established. Then we whooped their ass with them. Yeah. So then we ended up winning. <laughs> well, America ended up winning. Right. Yeah. And then um, when you turn around and you look at it, um, you go in and fast forward the civil war right pretty much you know the civil war was over slavery and that was one and at the end of it now what they ended up saying was people of color oh you can have a firearm for protection and hunting because you got to remember back then that was your way of survival you couldn't just go to walmart and buy a pack of meat back then you had to go actually kill the mm -hmm. cow or the deer you know so, um, but you can have one firearm, either a handgun, a rifle, or a shotgun. You pick it, whichever one you want. Majority of the time, um, people was picking the shotgun because they was using that, you know, when they would actually go out, slaughter um, the cow or the pig, you know, and for home defense, in a sense of speaking. Was, was that the, the law they made then? You could, you could mm -hmm. only have one? Yeah. Yep. As an African-American? Yep. That was the law. Um, now, of course, if you got caught with more than one, ain't no telling what's going to happen to you because you remember trees back then were pretty big and it was country areas also, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So the law was said one way, but what was actually oh, taking sure. place with the law was something yeah. different. Now, when you look at the fact of now, um, the right to vote, how did that play a part when firearms came into play? Right. Even when you go through history and you start looking at everything, it was it's so lopsided. But the firearm, even when we say it today, 
Like, oh yeah, if a female gets a firearm, it levels the fighting field, the playing field. Right? It's the same thing back then. Right? But why would you want one side lopsided at a disadvantage? And whereas another side can just come in and just mollywop everybody. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So now when you turn around and you look at it, I've always said this. The new racism is going to be your education and your money. That's going to be the new racism. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't have a certain, don't live within a certain class, now you're going to get shunned by a certain group of people. Right? And that's pretty much where we're going because people are not into politics like the government is designed for everybody to be associated with. Yeah. You know? So the downside of that is the more people we get more worried about what's going on on Instagram or who's saying what on Facebook, politicians are over here just doing whatever they want to put into place. And then before you know it, like, when did that law get passed? You know, because yeah, yeah. when the yeah. government was first started, that was the Facebook activity back then. So whenever you would open up newspaper, they would talk about whatever. And then you'll see the people go down to the courthouse and they'll voice their opinions and get the debate started in the streets, right? And then, like I said, the community was more active into their communities because those decisions was going to affect the way you live. Yep. Now, the way we look at it in our society is, well, I'm not worried about it. They'll take care of it. <laughs> and then when it doesn't go your way and be like, whoa, hold on, hold on. When did this happen? Oh yeah. Well, under you this Patriot Act that was signed <laughs> that you didn't vote for, <laughs> now they have the right to listen in on your cell phone. So they get to look at your camera on the computer and there's nothing you can do about it. Right? <laughs> All your rights are going to get infringed. But when you turn around and you look at it, this is why you always hear people, especially me saying, you have to get involved in politics. Make the representatives that are elected into office work. You contact them voice your opinion you make them work okay look how about this i came up with this idea what do you think about this and how can it be implemented xyz if it's something worthwhile they might contact you and say hey give us a rundown or your thoughts or come on up here to my office let's talk about this that might be the start of something you know so what's your take on that there coach b i agree um, you do a lot of agreeing. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, what's your opinion? There's no right or wrong answer. No, it's, it's I know. Just... I'm just, I just have not been into the whole um, politics. So I guess I'm part of the problem. Well, no, um, no. I mean, no, don't... I'm not saying it like that. I'm just saying that, um, like, I just, I guess, haven't been involved. But if it is necessary, it is important to get involved and to. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think take action. The main reason why I'm so I want to find out what's going on. I want to get active with stuff on the political realm is because it was always pushed to me, but I understood the importance of where it came from from where I grew up at. Right. Now that I have a child, now it's even more important to me. Right. Like that's how it resonates in my mind. You know, because I can easily be like, well, my life is what it is. They got to deal with that. Mm -hmm. 
But even when you turn around and you look at it, when it's time to take away from something, that generation is going to be our generation that's being taken away from. Whereas now it's going to end up that trickle effect. Right. It's going to affect everybody, but it might hit me harder. Whereas, okay, I need more assistance with X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So what's your, what's your take on that there, Dave? Man, it does kind of, you know, you know, I'm a father now my son's 14 years old and it, you know, I, 14 years ago, I, I didn't even consider this, but it sickens me now to think about if my child lost the right to be able to defend himself, <laughs> really, it, you know, with, with a firearm, because, you know, that is the best way to defend yourself. Right. And what about if your child lost the right to vote, but they didn't get a felony charge? Yeah, what about well, education. It's you know these are these are all our, our civil rights. I think right. they're you know they're all about the same. I mean, it um, it is terrible to think about the the possibility of our children you know losing those rights, and and it, you could easily neglect it, um, yeah. let it go, just like you were saying. Oh well, it's fine. I'm fine right now. Don't you know? Somebody else will handle that later. Yeah which is unfair to the next generation because technically when you look at it the forefathers proposed a system that evolved to what it is today to have it destroyed by the same people that's running that system today that's going to evolve to eating it away or making it better for the future we don't know because we're not there yet you know but i want to see equality across the board i want to see every american defending themselves i want to see people you know using a firearm to protect themselves to hunt you know and like i said one block always helps the other block right you know so i, I want to see the fairness across the board but i don't want to see any rights get infringed upon either you know but like you said I believe we all are deserving to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, that, you know, that's that's our country. It, it's... No, that's supposed to be the country. It is supposed <laughs> to be our country. Be country. Yes. Because the powers to be are still using laws to suppress, you know, certain people, depending on the situation of what's going on. And I'm not just saying people of color. It all depends on what's going on and where you are, whatever region in the country you're in. Oh, sure. You know, so it's one of those measures, whereas, as we already stated beforehand, you got to get active. You have to get active in order to make change happen. You know, so that's my take on it. That's my rant. But I do believe um, gun control is racist. And um, there was something Whereas Ted Cruz actually made mention of that. He said it, it was like an article and I didn't even read the article, but it had this picture and it had the tagline that um, politicians in favor of gun control are is stating that um, gun control is racist. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it has been <laughs> forever. Yeah. But now I can actually say this, 
um, I have a few friends that are activists. I mean, like legitly, I can call them right now and they, I can ask them, when was the first time you said gun control was racist? And I guarantee you, they will be like, at the beginning of my journey on social media, which was started like eight years ago. That was the first time I said it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then when it was being said, you know, a lot of people was like, uh, I don't know. But then when you start educating people, oh, now it makes more sense. Right. And then when you look at the tactics that are being used today to actually get an agenda across, I mean, come on now. <laughs> are we hurting or helping? Which one is it? You know? So that's that's my take on it. So um, what else y'all want to talk about? We've got we talked about this uh possible Supreme Court case right. that could be a very positive thing. I I just heard a little bit about it today. It was, uh, it seems like the Supreme Court has been purposely dodging anything to do with the Second Amendment for like 25 years or, or better. Right. Um, but there is a, uh, hold on, let me try to get this right. Um, so, so there's a petition to, hold on, let me see, where, where is this? I had it pulled up and I lost it. May need to edit this until I find it. No, you're good. Um, I, I honestly believe that the Supreme Court will purposely not get involved with anything concerning the Second Amendment. Because once again, it is that slippery slope. Whereas if you do make a call about it, and let's say it's the wrong call, that is the summary of what the presidents can take place. Because you remember yeah. how the lawyers do it. Oh, in the case of such and such versus such and such, this was the determination. Yeah. And this yeah. is how we're going to battle this. You know what I'm saying? So that can be a slippery slope. And I think that's the reason why the Supreme Court is not purposely getting involved oh, sure. with anything. No, I'm sure. So what's, what's your take on that there, um, Coach B? When, when it comes to the decision of the Supreme court getting involved in that court decision. So th this is more about um, just being able to carry a firearm. Um, okay. uh, this is, let's see. Then the, the New York um, in particular has some of the most strict um, concealed carry licensing um, laws of, of the country right. and you you have to actually be able to let's see it says they, re they require residents to show that they have what the state calls an actual and articulable need to possess a firearm <laughs> and I don't I don't know how they determine that and I don't know how anyone <laughs> really would being able to defend yourself um, seems like an actual reason to own a firearm that everyone is is granted when they're born you know i mean or you know old enough to handle a firearm safely or whatever but well you got to remember the way you just worded that it will lead to um the point of a series of questions that are not even real did you get no, attacked within the last year or two? No, I don't know how you no. would even yeah, come I'm, I'm across saying that. This, this is how it would go. Um, did you get attacked in the last year or two? Did Have you been associated with 
domestic violence, receiving domestic violence? Um, are you in a job platform or performance of a job where a firearm could possibly be used, right? And like I said, a series of questions like that um, will deter the truth from actually you know, yeah. taking place, oh, which yeah. is, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I want a firearm to protect myself because I want to be prepared for the unknown, right? And now if you're limiting me, mm, now if something did happen, well, he is trained and if he had that firearm, he probably would still be here today. You know what I'm saying? So there's one of the petitioners um, in, in the case, uh, Robert Nash, he is a, I believe he's in New York. Um, he actually, let's see, he requested uh, to carry a handgun for self-defense after a string of robberies in his neighborhood, but he was denied uh, because he did not demonstrate a special need for self-defense. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, like, I guess his house wasn't actually robbed, but his neighbor's houses were. So does that, yeah, does, that does that deny him the, the right to be able to defend himself? So. Exactly. So you also got to remember this too. Also, um, Martin Luther King, he was denied um, his CWP also, concealed weapons permit. And you got to remember, he was a resident of Atlanta, right? Doing the civil rights movement. He applied a couple times to get a concealed weapons permit because of the threats that were coming to oh, him. Oh, sure. He was getting all kind of threats. Yeah. And he would be the perfect candidate for a concealed weapons permit, yeah. it seems like to yeah. me. But they said no. They, they, they denied him from it. So, I mean, like I said, it's a little bit of history. Look it up and, yeah. um, you know, come up with your own opinions and um, talk about it. Bring up the discussion points, educate people. And, Let's see where it goes from there. Yeah. So um, it's, it's one of those points right there. But um, I want to go ahead and dive into this commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to have a special guest from overseas who is a citizen of Central Europe and get his take on what's taking place in the world, especially what has happened in his lifespan when they lost firearms, the rights to own firearms over in Europe and what procedures they got to go to go through in association with firearms today. Yeah. This is going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but um, please, everybody, please go follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram on Facebook. Please go follow M-W Tactical, uh, CSRE Shooters on YouTube, Go look up M-W Tactical on YouTube. Look up Dave Lyell. And I'm saying it enunciating because people <laughs> put extra letters in this guy's name. They do. <laughs> right? They so do. just yeah. um, Lyle, L-Y-E-L-L. <laughs> right? So when I enunciate it, I'm saying it on purpose to help you remember it. So Dave Lyell <laughs> on Instagram, go look up at M underscore W Tactical and at CSRA shooters. And let's let's keep this conversation going. But for everybody else who already follows us and you're not punching in the keypads right now, tighten up those seat belts, put on your sunglasses, get a sip of water, 
or lemonade, whatever you prefer. And here are a few words from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jesse Harrison, and you're listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you can still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, Visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com. Thank you. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical. This is Coach B from M-W Tactical. And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is we are making a professional movie and it's gonna be about our day-to-day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting gofundme.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit 
gofundme.com forward slash free firearms training. Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe. Hey, good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for sitting through that commercial break. And I have someone from overseas who is willing to talk about how 2A is over in Europe compared to how it is here in America. So I want to bring in Henrik from Central Europe and have this discussion with him so we can actually do a comparison of what's going on and how do they feel and how do they look at what's going on in America compared to what they have already in place over in a different country. So how's it going for you, Hendrik? How's your day going? Hi, uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's fine. I just got back from the shooting range. Nice, nice. <laughs> that's always a good day, right? Yeah, that's always a good day when you're coming back from throwing lead down range. <laughs> yeah, we had a little shooting competition. I managed to win it. Mm. Brought oh, my nice. USP tactical to the range and had a little handgun shooting competition. Okay. Um, now, going into the conversation, can you go ahead and give us a little background about yourself as far as your history with firearms up till now? Yeah, sure. I'm 43 years old. I live in Stockholm, Sweden, and I started hunting. I started, my first time shooting a firearm was when I was five years old. My father handed me a shotgun and I got a very bruised shoulder after that, uh, as you do. Uh, but I've been hunting all my life. I started sport shooting uh, to early 2000s, something like that. Got my first AR-15 in like year 2000 or something or 2010 probably uh, something like that and uh, since then i've accumulated uh, a lot of firearms it's fun oh nice All right. so now you do partake in competition shooting as well yes um yes, how like for us we have um idpa three gun uspsa um a couple outlaw matches and then we have um like long range precision series that take place um, yeah. how, how is the competition realm over where you are? So most sports shooting in Sweden is modeled after the Swiss variant, which is uh, it started as a voluntary defense organization for the, for the country. And uh, so the, the shooting sports were like field shooting. I think you have uh, comparable shooting sports in the US uh, where you use service rifles uh often using uh, open sights irons mm -hmm. that's uh, most of the, of the shooting uh, but since the last 10 years uh, ipsic ipsc uh, has grown in popularity and now uh, long-range shooting the last like four or five years uh, long-range shooting has been very popularized so fortunately we have a lot of uh, good shooting ranges in sweden just 20 minutes outside of stockholm i can do like uh, half uh, one and a half kilometers long-range shooting steel targets for example so uh, that's fun there's a lot of uh, sport shooting in sweden uh, it's growing really fast hmm. so it's same all over europe basically it's i think it's uh, actually the united states impacting with all the media from youtube and all that that's hmm. uh, so people know about sport shooting in another way but the culture is totally different i guess uh, there's really nothing no self-defense uh, shooting at all. If someone were to say that I want a firearm for self-defense in Sweden, they would uh, be denied. And uh, if they already had licenses, they would come and pick them up. <laughs> for real? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, now, 
so basically what you're saying is like whenever you go buy a firearm basically it's for hunting or sport Hunt. recreation reasons yeah or collecting so hmm. so in sweden at least we have uh, three different rules set for how you acquire a firearm for hunting it's basically fashion fud rules it has to look like a traditional hunting rifle can only have like five rounds in a magazine for example depending on which uh, wildlife you hunt uh, so it's very strict. You can't really get an AR for hunting in Sweden. It's different in other countries, but for Sweden, that's the way it works. In Finland, for example, you can use an AR for hunting in a roundabout way. And for sport shooting, you can basically get whatever, but it depends on what the specific shooting form uses. So for IPSIC, for example, you can use AR-15s. I did. I started my own shooting clubs. I'm a chairman of a shooting club in Stockholm. We're about 130 people. So I just made up my own rule book and said, uh, we can have whatever we want, and then we got it. <laughs> so that's possible, of course. So we shoot with uh, AKS-74U, so I shot that, that one today. Um, there's a lot of differences regarding things like that. So for example, an AKS-74U, in the United States, you usually can't have the original Tula receiver, for example. You get it shot down as a parts kit, I guess. Mm -hmm. This is an original one. We just picked out the autosear and then started shooting. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So it, it's, uh, the rules are very different. For example, uh, the, the third pinhole in an AK, that's uh, very no-no in the US, I guess. Same with the autosear pin in an AR lower. I can buy uh, as many M16 lowers as I want because they're really cheap and uh, then just uh, not put in an autosear. And use them because that's not a controlled part. Uh, the upper and barrel and the bolt is the controlled part. See, so it's, it's very different. Here. Yeah, it's that's difference here because for us, the lower receiver is considered serialized, and yeah. if we do any type of like transaction, sell transaction, that's how it has to go through an FFL, you know, federal firearms license, you know, dealer here in America. Yeah. But you can order the upper receiver, the bolts, the springs, the firing pin, and that can just come through regular mail. But the lower receiver has to go through the mail system, but to a FFL and a and like write it all down in a book, you know, far as hey, this is yeah. what you bought, this is where it came from, you know, like a tracking system in a sense. So I can get a license to purchase an upper, for example, uh, and then they can send it to me with mail after I have the paperwork done with the police. But the lower, they can just send to me without any paperwork. Hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of weird. Regarding uh, self-defense, uh, Sweden is a bit particular with that. It's basically illegal to prepare for self-defense. No, for example, why, have a knife or something. Yeah, why, why is that? Uh, that's a very good question. We have actually a really good law that says you can use whatever violence that's needed to stop the crime being perpetrated against your person. So if someone attacks you with a knife, you're allowed to use lethal force, but you're not allowed to prepare to use lethal force beforehand. So you can't carry like some kind of karambit knife or whatever defensive knife. And you're not allowed pepper spray, you're not allowed, uh, especially not firearms. So, but that's, uh, there's differences around Europe with this because the Czech Republic, for example, there you can have concealed carry handguns. And I remember visiting Bulgaria and Sofia and went into a gun store and they had every firearm you can imagine, except Russians because they hate Russian since the occupation, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, uh, 
Bulgaria is not a large country. I think they have like six, seven million inhabitants, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do have a hundred thousand people with concealed carry licenses. So even if you go into this upscale uh, hunting store with really expensive shotguns, half of the store is still going to be concealed carry handguns. Uh, Estonia has the same rules. Uh, so there's yeah. different countries with different rules in Europe. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, that can relate to that portion of um, the different rules in different countries, because that's almost like the states here. So um, one hour drive for me, you know, I'm in Georgia, you know, um, six hour drive, I'm in Virginia. And when you turn around and you look at it, there's different laws there, but I can still go to Virginia and buy a firearm, but I have to have it sent through the FFL to my home state where I can pick it up. Yeah. yeah. If I take a flight one hour, I'm in Minsk in Belarus, mm-hmm. and they're gonna send me to a concentration camp just for being drunk in public. It's very different in Europe. We still yeah. have a Stalinesque dictatorships just an hour's flight from where I live. Um, many people don't realize how how different countries are in Europe. It's not like the United States where you at least have the same language. Right, right. <laughs> uh, most people don't know that at the border between Ukraine and, and, and Moldavia, you have a, a, a totally illegal gangster state run by a mafia. Uh, that's called the Transnistria. There's so many things in Europe people don't really know about. Hmm. So, yeah. and, and all the gun laws are very different. Uh, so uh, in the European Union, uh, gun laws are regulated uh, using something called the Firearms Directive. And then all the different states need to implement that in the, in the local law. So that's the lowest bar for this. Sweden hasn't implemented this yet because we have a very good... Uh, lobby organization basically a, a real grassroots organization there is no overarching organization we're just tens of thousands of people organizing through social media and just starting to write uh, the parliamenticians whenever they try to do stupid shit and it actually works uh, fairly good hmm. so we managed to stop all, all the magazine bans and all that they, they tried like five times last year to ban uh, regular capacity magazines right have not succeeded yet. We'll see how yeah. that goes. Yeah, that is kind of scary when you start doing stuff like that because that right there is just uh, opening the door to doing something else crazy, you know, yeah. as well. And so, uh, not sure if I need to say it, but uh, registration leads to confiscation. So it's yes. just uh, sooner or later that's going to happen. We're just trying to fight it for as long as possible. Perhaps mm-hmm. we can push it forward a, a generation or two. But sooner or later, it's going to get confiscated because uh, if you give up any right, you're never getting it back. Exactly. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's the short version of that. So each Mm -hmm. new rule is just another burden on the gun owner's shoulders. And it's basically the liberty of everyone uh, because uh, the lowest hanging fruit on the tree of liberty is gun rights. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is that simple. So when those go, everything else follows. Yeah, that's very true. Now, let me ask you this one. Um, when you walk into the firearm store to purchase a firearm, how long is the process from start to finish? It depends, really. Uh, so it depends on which 
where you're trying to buy it. So if you're going to buy uh, for hunting purposes, it's usually quite fast. So in Sweden, I can have six different rifles for hunting purposes. So if I have one slot left, I can just go into the store and say, I want to buy this, send in the paperwork to the police and then uh, pick it up when they're done with the paperwork. It can take, depend on, depending on where you, where you live in Sweden, it can take anything from one week to 16 weeks, hmm. depending on how busy the police is. So in Stockholm, it's 16 weeks because uh, that's where people live in Sweden. Uh, if it's a sport shooting uh, firearm, uh, say you want to buy an AR-15 or an AK or something, you pick it out, uh, do the same procedure, but then it's extra paperwork because the, you got to have to be part of a shooting club and the shooting club has to send in some paperwork as well. So extra paperwork. Hmm. And if you are a firearms collector, you can buy whatever you want. And then you send in, uh, uh, you have to motivate why you want this specific firearm. So I'm collecting this little thing. I'm interested in this technical thing or whatever. So that's why I want this obscure firearm. But for collecting purposes, there's no rules on what you can own in Sweden, at least. I know people who own like the 80 millimeter grenade launcher, uh, rocket propelled grenade launchers, anti-aircraft guns, 14 and a half times 140 millimeter KPVs, anything you can imagine, all full auto. Uh, so, <laughs> and I, uh, uh, we're, we're part of a, a firearms collecting group in Sweden called Svevap. And uh, the police generally don't like giving out licenses for that stuff, but it is technically possible, uh, which is the best kind of possible, I guess, because it's possible to get uh, get those stuff. And I, I know people who has them. I only have one uh, one uh, machine gun myself. It's a Swedish K, because we have this shooting sport where we use uh, Swedish Ks or the M45B, as it's called in Sweden. It's an open bolt uh, submachine gun um, from after the Second World War. It's a really good one, uh, but it can only it doesn't have a fire selector, so it can only fire full auto. But when mm. we're competing we, with it, we, we try to fire just one shot at a time. So have to jerk your trigger finger just not to not fire full auto. It's uh, a little bit silly, but it is what it is. Man, that sounds crazy to me so now what if you claim to be the collector but yet you go out and do competition shooting well is that like some type of technicality in there yeah you're not allowed to fire uh firearms you, you have for a collector collector's purpose because uh that's not why you bought them right so uh, but you can fire them so, uh, for example, I collect uh, bolt action rifles from the Second World War. So I wanted to try them out and see if they actually worked <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. since I haven't fired them. So I applied for a license to fire those firearms I already own just because I wanted to put it on film and put it online, uh, basically. Hmm. It wasn't uh, any big hassle. They just approved it immediately and, and then I went and fired them. Oh, so, okay. Now, what about um, suppressors? Is there a a different category or do y'all look at suppressors as an accessory to the firearm yeah uh, suppressors uh, i think i own 10 suppressors myself i just uh, tested my i chopped off the barrel of my remington 870 today uh, just mm -hmm. so it ended just after the magazine tube and then uh, put a shotgun suppressor on it super nice <laughs> uh, 
suppressors, uh, I try to nag everyone to use suppressors because I have a bad case of tinnitus. Mm -hmm. uh, suppressors, most people use them. Um, it's a bit uh, harder to get people to use them on AR-15s and stuff like that because they want muscle brakes to control the recoil and all that stuff. Um, but it's very easy. You can compare it to shell issue because you're still going to have a license in Sweden at least. In Norway, you just go and buy one as any kind of accessory. Mm -hmm. Finland, pretty much the same. Uh, in Sweden, we do need a license for them. Hmm. Uh, it, it, not many places in Europe has it that way. In Switzerland, you can get a suppressor. Um, that's, it's not that hard, but uh, you're going to have to jump through a few hoops. Um, but uh, mostly in Northern Europe, Scandinavia uses suppressors all the time. Hmm. Now, in Great Britain, of course, as well. Right. Now, when you go do your suppressor, how is that process? Is it just like buying a firearm? Whereas yeah. you'll, you'll get it that pretty much within that one to 16 weeks? Yeah, exactly. Just sending a piece of paper, I want a suppressor, get it stamped, hmm. get it back and pick up my suppressor. Yeah, so now here in America, the process is um, you got to pay for the suppressor and then you got to pay a $200 tax stamp to get that yeah. suppressor, right? So it's just like whatever you're paying plus $200, but it can take almost up to two years before you get it. But yet when I go get a firearm, I can go into the, the store purchase the firearm and leave with it possibly that same day, unless something comes back in the background check. And then they'll tell you whatever that time period is, you know, up to seven days before you get it back. Yeah, you that's know? ridiculous. Yeah, it, it is. And it's almost, almost like sounds backwards <laughs> how it is compared to how we look at it, you know? Yeah, suppressors yeah. shouldn't be regulated at all. It's just a tube with some baffles in it. It's, yeah, it's, so, like for a, a long rifle, you can make your own suppressor with a Coke can and a piece of tape or something. It's uh, very, very silly. It's it's a safety device. It's mm. like uh, the seat belts in your car, but for your ears when shooting. Right. So uh, everyone should use a suppressor. Uh, I'm, I'm very much a proponent for suppressors. Okay. I suppress everything and I make my own uh, subsonic rounds. I really like the 300 blackout caliber, for example. Mm -hmm. I have I got an air precision 8-inch uh, AR-15, which I put a suppressor on and I make my own, uh, I cast my own um, 230 grain bullets for it and then just powder coat them, make them subsonic. Excellent precision, super fun to shoot. You don't need any hearing protection at all. It's just the uh, springs from the buffer tube that's loud when shooting it. Very fun. Yeah, so suppressing yeah. 22 long rifle, that's the most fun you can have with a firearm <laughs> where you won't go broke immediately. Yeah, we we had um, a Senate hearing in regards to suppressors here in America, and it was close to getting passed, but then something happened. I really can't remember exactly what took place, but yeah, the Hearing it, Protection Act, wasn't it the, yeah. that shooting in Las Vegas? Yeah, it was like one of the shootings that took place. But everybody that was, you know, debating it, they was referencing a movie. And then when they brought in actual people to testify about it, it was, hey, this is nothing more than to preserve your hearing. It saves the environment. Um, and they was even comparing it to the muffler on a vehicle, which technically that's what it is. All it is is a yeah. muffler in a sense of speaking. Uh, isn't it part of the same patent back in the day from 
Maxim or something. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, most people don't know if you if you want to fire a rifle and still have some uh, kinetic energy, you can't go subsonic. And if you're su supersonic, it's not hearing safe, basically. So a two to three, for example, it's always gonna break the sound barrier. So mm -hmm. it's gonna travel over a thousand feet per second. It's gonna be at least 120, 130 decibels. And people don't have a frame of reference for decibels, uh, but it's a logarithmic curve. So mm -hmm. each, uh, I think it's if you increase it two times, the experienced volume will double. Uh, so uh, 130 decibels. That's like a jet engine taking off is 120. Right. So, and impulse sounds is very dangerous because the little hairs in your ear, which picks up the sound, they can bend and then press against the nerve. That's one way you can get tinnitus. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I went to the doctor a lot for my tinnitus, and uh, and we have this. You can't really do anything about it. You're you're, yes, you're out of luck. Yeah, no <laughs> uh, so so we had this uh, group of people with different levels of, of issues and one of the worst people worst affected people next meeting he didn't show up so I asked the doctors where did he go well he committed suicide because it was so bad for him basically someone drilling into his head 24 7 mm -hmm. so I'm extremely afraid of that happening to me so I, I wear in-ear plugs I wear over-ear plugs and a suppressor mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just so. because I don't want it to get any worse so it, yeah. it is a real health concern yeah I, I just started shooting with inner earplugs and the shell over it as well um, for that reason. But I had um, tinnitus from going over to Iraq as well. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Well, yeah. So now we have um, Coach B on the show and she's going to ask a series of questions as well. Hey, um, I guess one of my questions is how has it affected the crime rate, I guess, um, over there with the ban? Mm, uh, which ban do you refer to? Uh, as far as, like, I know it's different, you know, for you in Sweden, because you said that, you know, you guys can purchase firearms, um, but other places, um, it's illegal, I guess, to purchase firearms. I can explain how the criminality get there, how it works in Sweden, because uh, we have a lot of crime in Sweden. Uh, not many people know about the rate of crime in Sweden. I think we had almost 2,000 shootings in the last couple of years where hundreds of people are killed. We have, we have about 150 bombings each year uh, where they bomb apartment buildings, restaurants, stuff like that. Uh, so it's mainly different clans from, so criminal clans from uh, Africa and the Middle East who comes to Sweden and uh, uh, basically go to war against each other for the drug, drug market. That's what's happening. So they know where they live, so they bomb their buildings where they live, but they blow out all the windows and all the doors from everyone else there as well. Uh, a lot of burned down cars, stuff like that happening, burglaries, rapes, everything. So. How does gun ownership affect that? Not at all, because they never have any guns that's ever been uh, owned legally in Sweden. That's not what they use. They get uh, full auto machine guns from uh, former Yugoslavia. Uh, that's basically where they get them. Also, a small amount are made by themselves. 
uh, in Eastern Europe, it's very common to use what, what they call traumatic guns. So they fire these rubber pellets, but they drill them up and uh, fire live rounds through them as well. They last for like a magazine, but that's enough to kill someone. And it has like zero accuracy, but uh, it's a smooth bore. Uh, <laughs> but they still use them uh, to great effect to harass and terrorize people. So uh, yeah, we have, a, we have a lot of problems in Sweden, but legal gun ownership doesn't affect that at all. The Swedish police has a theory called uh, the Lekars theory, and it's, uh, they try to say that legal guns leak to illegal people or, or the criminals. That's never happened. There's a good amount of statistics on this and the research been done. And uh, usually when they steal a gun safe, because we're gonna have got to have gun safes in Sweden, they're fairly good. They manage to get them open someplace in a forest or whatever. They leave the guns because people keep the valuables in there as well. Steal the valuables, leave the guns. They already have guns. They don't need our semi-auto or bolt action hunting rifles or whatever they find. Mm. They already have full auto machine guns, usually Sastavas from Yugoslavia. We uh, said 61 Scorpions are very popular as well because they're easily concealable and then you can just mag dump them. So that's what they usually use in Sweden. Okay. Uh, so so th there is zero effect. If they banned every legal gun today and, and confiscated them all, it would have zero impact on uh, the criminals. And this we already know. Uh, so y'all have to have a safe site. So your firearms you own is in your home right now. Yes. But by law, you have to have a safe. Yes. To, wow. Okay. So how do they regulate if you have a safe or not? I have to send, when I buy my first firearm, I have to send in a picture of the receipt and the safe uh, and all that. And they can uh, come and control your, how you store your firearms as well. And if it's not properly stored, they can just pick them up and uh, wow. you'll never see them again. <laughs> that sounds like a slippery slope. Like I'm just thinking about what we have going on here in America, and that sounds really like a slippery slope. Yeah, it's it is. It is. Uh, but it it has actually helped with uh, thefts of firearms. Uh, so, yeah. but it's also a, a, a higher level, more hoops to jump through to actually own firearms. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, in the United States, where someone can't be, not afford a fancy handgun, well, they certainly want to be able to afford a fancy safe. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's basically a way to get poor people to not own firearms. Correct. And that's what part of the argument is right there. <laughs> what we yeah. are arguing here in America right now. Wow, well, it's that's... true. It's true. But, uh, yeah. And also, if they can force you to and control that you own a safe, then they know that you own firearms. Mm -hmm. And that's another way to register you as a firearms owner. Right. Yeah, it's like all kind of tricks that they're going to implement in there to say, hey, we know what you're doing. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, they, they want more and more control over every single detail of uh, your life. Right, correct. You have yeah. any more questions there, Coach? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm like... It's, it's fascinating because when you turn around and you look at it, somebody wrote me from Australia and stated, hey, y'all need to really fight for your rights because, you know, they did the same thing here and we have a higher crime rate, you know, and that's part of the argument, you know, on 
the political side, you get rid of the firearms, crime is going to shoot up because the criminals are not following the law. Right. Yeah, you have to remember that in the United States, you're allowed to defend yourself with firearms. We are not allowed to defend yourself with firearms. So right. now in uh, COVID times uh, with herd immunity, I, I, I like the comparison here because uh, people with concealed carry is like vaccinating against crime. The more mm -hmm. you have in a society, the less the crime will be because the bad guys know that the next victim could shoot me in the face if I'm not. Uh... <laughs> right. True. Yeah. So, so we, we do not have that in Sweden. We have, we're totally open to this disease uh, called uh, criminal assholes, basically. So uh, they know we're all victims in Sweden. They can do whatever they want. And we have these horrific crimes now. We call them humiliation crimes. Mm -hmm. uh, not sure if you really want to know this, but it's criminals humiliating their victims because they, uh, it's a, you, you can't even imagine what they do. They take uh, the weakest in society, elderly, young, young boys, they torture them, rape them, everything. And, and mm. just uh, 500 meters from where I live, two, I think they were like 14-year-old boys were tortured, raped an entire night, and then they had to dig their own graves. They pissed on them. They set them on fire. It's uh, shit like that that makes me want to have concealed carry in Sweden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so this, uh, this is, has been accelerating the last years in Sweden, and it's just getting worse and worse. So uh, we're never going to get uh, concealed carry in Sweden, but uh, I don't know what the solution is either. Would be nice yeah. to be able to defend myself, though. Yeah, that's that's frustrating when you turn around and you look at it. Like, okay, the answer is education, training, and you know the rehearsed practice. But when you start taking the education and the tool out of the equation, it makes the situation more challenging. You know, overall, you know, so it's it's very disturbing when you look at it from that standpoint. Yeah, well, if you remove uh, concealed carry, uh, you can look to Sweden and see where the end of that path will lead you, unfortunately. Now, you said also that y'all have a law in relation to knives also. So I know like London, they have a knife ban, but yeah. how is that over in Sweden as well? Yeah, in Sweden, we have something called uh, Knivlagen knife law basically mm -hmm. and it's all encompassing it's anything that you can use to for self-defense uh, it's a screwdriver it's anything so if you only have a screwdriver on you your your carpenter or something and you're attacked and you defend yourself with a screwdriver you can uh, probably get a worse sentence than the one who attacked you uh, so it's you're allowed to carry a pocket knife but it's not defined what a pocket knife is uh, so it's not like it has to be this long edge or whatever. So uh, a lot of our laws in Sweden are, are what we call rubber band laws. It's they're meant to be vague. So the court and the police and prosecutors can interpret them any way they want. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, the Swedish legal system is not very good. Let's just call it that. We don't have a jury system. We have a system where uh, politically appointed, well, basically political commissars sit in judgment of you. So uh, that leads to very interesting things. In the municipality where I live, someone uh, got into, I don't remember the exact case, but uh, it was a family disturbance issue. 
but the, uh, some wife got beaten up by her husband and uh, the husband got sent free because for some reason there were Muslims in the Muslim politicians mm. and they decided to use Sharia law <laughs> and since the man came from a better family he was obviously not guilty so shit like that can happen in Sweden so I don't really I'm not really that confident in the legal system here because uh, we have politicians who judge us not uh, actual jury system or anything like that oh that's that's craziness right there. All right. So um, you actually have a social media presence on Facebook, Instagram. Um, you care to share that with the good people? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, Hagi Banke. Um, let's see here. I can spell it out for you. Uh, H-A-G-G-E-B-A-N-K-E. So I'm on YouTube and Instagram. I make some uh, YouTube videos from a Swedish perspective, uh, our shooting sports. And uh, each Friday I have a couple of beers with my viewers and uh, discuss all the news in Sweden uh, regarding gun gun laws and hunting and stuff like that. Okay, so there you go. So head on over to Instagram and YouTube and look up Hanky Banky and check out their perspective of what's taking place over in Sweden, over in the Europe side of things. So we want to thank you for coming on to the M-W Tactical Podcast and um, sharing what's taking place over on your side of the world compared to what's taking place on our side of the world. And it's disturbing all around. It's very disturbing all around. So, um, but once again, thank you for coming on to the show. And um, if anything, anything big happen, we'll bring you back on so we can actually have that discussion of what's going on the next time around. Yeah, thank you for letting me be here. Hey, no problem, anytime, anytime. So um, please everybody stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunters HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunters HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunters HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. 
Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. The Gun Cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you can still carry. The Gun Cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The Gun Cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you can't wait for Tuesday, go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can even purchase M-W Tactical apparel. But please, go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the two-way community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.